It isn't the birthdayest boy I ever laid eyes on. Oh, <laughs> it is indeed. I'm officially 21 years old, baby. You gonna try a beer later, maybe? The big two one. Here comes my first beer I've ever had. <laughs> Ooh. I think I opened it correctly. I couldn't see it was off camera. <laughs> so welcome to Super Duper Stitches. The Paranormal Podcast about the signs of the strange. I'm Wyatt. I'm Jake. And we are back again with another ep. I'm going to send Jake a text right now. A text? It's sending. Okay. It's sent. It did, did it? I'll let you know when I get it. Tune in at the end of the episode to see what I got. <laughs> <laughs> the text is it's, currently flying 1,400 miles to the air to get here. It's okay, just I got boobies. a text from Mr. Shell. And it is, ooh, it is a framed poster of The Sleep of Reason Produces Monsters by Katie Amaker. So I got that bad boy from Aid. Nice. I got a bunch of stuff framed up recently. That was my like birthday gift. That's an actual gift. Latent artwork. Now that you're what, 38, 39? Uh, 43, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> going on 32, if you will. Yes. <laughs> I was catching up to you briefly there. Yeah, it's true. It's true. You're pulling ahead again. <laughs> That's how age works. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm going to win no matter what you do. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, we're here to talk about us and our ages. Yes, and not about spooky things, the science behind them, or anything like that. That's certainly anything not what the show between. is. No, it is not. Nor has um, it ever been. Dare we begin, though, with... An update? Are we talking about the Phantom of the Chicago? We're talking about the Phantom of the Chicago. Oh, shit. And as I understand it, not only is it an update on the Phantom of the Chicago, and not only are you covering it, but it is an update from our very own field correspondent. The Fire Killer. The Fire Killer. Just as context for first-time listeners, first of all, this is the show, and uh, it doesn't get better. No, it's... uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, for first time listeners, the Phantom of the Chicago is the name we've been giving to the creature sighted throughout the Chicago Lands area over the past several years. Um, <laughs> looks like a big flying bat monster with glowing red eyes. People have been seeing it just so much. So and very much. We uh, update everyone on it. And exactly. uh, as a result of that, we actually have a, a field Special, correspondent. Yeah, boots on the ground who. I mean, based on their description, may have already killed the Phantom of the Chicago. At least twice. At least twice. And uh, his name is Sean Wayne Kulisuskis, otherwise primarily known as the Fire Killer. And our good man, the Fire Killer, has finally reached back out to us. It seems our large totem of drugs, junk, and neon glow-in-the-dark blacklight posters that we burn pretty much around the clock to try to summon him back from the beyond. It has worked. signal, but a little bit more complicated. A little more complicated. I think because Uh, we're burning it from both sides, you in Massachusetts, me in Minneapolis. He smelled it in stereo. Yeah. I have not read this email yet. You have. I have. Please lay it on me. (laughs) I will now do my best to channel Dat Boy. (laughs) So subject line, I got a dog. Oh, man. Message. (laughs) <laughs> Hola, como estas, mi amigas? Notice anything? That's right, boys. I'm brushing up on my Espanola. <laughs> By the way, that shit I just said means, yo, what the fuck is really good, my dudes? <laughs> now, I know you guys are probably asking yourself, yo, Firekiller, a.k.a. Biggest Dick Guy, a.k.a. Universal Soldier, what the fuck are you speaking sweet Espanol for? <laughs> also, where the fuck you been lately, my dog? We have been wondering both of those things. How did you get so good looking, my man? Well, that was always the case. Also, how do you smell so good? (laughs) Well, boys, let's just say the tale I tell will answer all this and more. So buckle (laughs) up. Ever since I defeated the Fabtum of the Chicago, I've been living on Easy Street. Babes and drugs galore. Now, I know there's been more reports coming in, but take it from your official super-duperstitious field correspondent, Chicago Division. That's just Lon Strickler running around the streets in a Batman costume. (laughs) 
I think the lawnmower man is out of fresh leads, so he's starting to generate his own, you feel? I decided that since I got a knack for killing cryptids, I should probably take my unique skills set to the next level, you feel? <laughs> Through careful scientific evaluation, I narrowed down the cryptid field into three categories. The Phantom of the Chicago, John Wayne Gacy, and the Woolly Mammoth. <laughs> I thought Trump may be considered one, but found out that most scientific communities regard him less as a cryptid and more as an abortion, you feel? <laughs> Anyways. Gacy's been dead for like 40 years, and with my recent defeat of the Phantom, I realized that the only cryptid left to vanquish was the woolly mammoth. Oh boy. So with that, I started to make my way to California, because I heard that's where they live. I'm also on the run because I wanted in Chicago right now. My parole officer one day was like, yo, my man, do you have drugs on you? And I was like, no fucking way, my dude. I'm reformed. And then he was like, bummer. I'm looking to get high, you feel? And I was like, yo, what you need, my dude? I got a shitload of PCP I'm trying to offload. <laughs> he was like, yo, I got you, bro. Hands up. And I was like, damn, well played, dog. And then I got the fuck out of there. So now that was about three months ago. And I'm sure you're asking, yo, top dog, too cute. A.K.A. good looking but will whip your ass. How come you're not in Cali yet? Well, boys, let's just say I fled the shy in my 98 Cutlass Classic, and she wasn't up for the job. <laughs> oh. She broke down outside of Plainfield, Illinois, and I've been hitching it ever since, trading drugs for rides, you feel me? Not far at all. <laughs> as of right now, I'm as far as New Mexico, and that's why I'm boning up on my Spanish so that I can fraternize with all the New Mexicans I meet, you feel? <laughs> all the drugs I packed finally ran out, so now I'm working as a dish guy at this diner and growing out my cartel stash for the ladies. It's way the fuck out in the middle of nowhere, but is pretty chill, and I've been getting workouts in by stacking as many plates as I can and doing bicep curls. <laughs> and in case you guys were wondering, these next-level biceps still haven't quit my dudes, feel me? The New Mexicans in the back are pretty cool, they help me with my Espanol while they cook. They call me Hia de Puta Blanco, which I'm guessing means something like Apex of Humanity, but don't <laughs> quote me. Just add it to the list, boys. Anyways, when I got here, I bought this 85 Chevy Caprice that doesn't run for 50 bucks, and I've been Still. living out of it until I can pay for the fixes it needs so I can get the fuck out of here. I've been working at this diner for about two weeks when some weird-ass shit started happening. I was outside one night, smoking a bong with the line cook, when we seen this little creature run past us and snarl. The line cook was like, Chupacabra! And I was like, yo, chupa my huevos, my man. <laughs> but then I realized he wasn't talking to me. He kept pointing and saying, Chupacabra. And I was like, yo, that was a dog, my man. But he ran back inside like a total pussy boy. Say word if you feel me. Word. Well, the next day, they found a dead cow. <laughs> With all its blood drained, let me tell you something. These New Mexicans fucking lost it. It was Chupa this and Cobra that. The line <laughs> cook I smoked that bong with looked like he was about to plan his own funeral. I was like, yo, my dude, that was a fucking dog we saw. But let me tell you, boys, it didn't make a difference. All last week, there have been cows dying fucking everywhere. And I'm telling you, it's been a real pain in my ass. Everybody's been as jumpy as New Mexican jumping beans, you feel? What all came to a fucking head last night. We were in the middle of a dinner rush, and I was fucking killing bicep curls with 15 plates in each hand, when all of a sudden, <laughs> the lights went out. Oh, man. Someone from the front of the restaurant screamed. Me and the cooks rushed out front. My biceps were literally pulsing. <laughs> it was so sick. We couldn't see in the dark, but we heard a real fucking calamity going on near the door. Suddenly, the lights came back on, and there on the floor was a New Mexican fucking drained of all his blood. Oh my god. I was like, yo, who's the vampire? <laughs> but everyone was like, chupa fucking cabra. The place <laughs> emptied out in about half a second. With the boss gone, I decided to make my way in back and cook up some huevos rancheros on the house, you feel? <laughs> Priorities. I get, back, I get back there, and as I'm about to start burning, I hear some pots and pans clinking. I go and check it out, and guess what? There's that fucking dog from the other day. 
It looked hella fucked up with red eyes and kind of scaly ass skin. <laughs> but you know, sometimes dogs get like that when they are trained to fight and shit. It's pretty sad. This checks out. I was like, yo, do you fuck with Malibu rum? And the dog just barked at me. Its vocal cords must have gotten bit in a fight because there was one fucked up bark, my dude. It's like nails on the underside of a dick. <laughs> Well, I figured it had to be hungry, so I started cooking up some huevos rancheros for the both of us. But when I tossed him some, the dog didn't eat it. So, then I thought about the thing I need when I'm not hungry. The chronic. <laughs> I blew some O's his way, and that knocked him out pretty good. At least enough for me to get a leash around him. I took him home to my caprice, feeling pretty good about myself. Animal rescue is important, you feel? <laughs> and this motherfucker is tough as hell. He plays rough. And if you get on his bad side, he bites the fuck out of you. Oh, no. I was trying to think of names, but he's such a hard ass. Only one name came to mind. The name of the greatest superhero in movie history, of course. The T-1000 from Terminator <laughs> 2. The downside to this little guy is his cock. I can't find one, and there's no way this bro is a chick. Maybe he got ripped off in a fight, but it's something I'm going to help him work on. And who better to train him to a more glorious dick? than the man they call the biggest dick guy. One cock push up a day, my boys. That's all it takes. No hands. Just cock. You'll be blown away by the results, I promise. I'll have to try and work this into my exercise regimen. <laughs> that will become the entirety of it. Yes. <laughs> Just a giant checkbox. The next day I <laughs> the next day I brought T one thousand by the restaurant to show my bros. I was like, yo, check out my new dog. Everybody fucking lost their shit again. They were like chupacabra and I t and told me not to come back. Well, fuck him is what I say. I almost got the Caprice up and running again. And soon I'll be on my way to Cali with my trusty sidekick T-1000 by my side in search of more cryptids to vanquish. <laughs> well, I think that about wraps it up, my dudes. I hope you guys are doing fucking so excellent. Jake, I heard you moved, man. You should come out to Cali and wait till I get there so we can chill out. I hope my story answered all the questions I'm sure all my fans have been dying to know. Oh, wait, there is still one. How do I smell so good? <laughs> Axe body spray, boys. I never <laughs> leave home without it. The babes fucking dig it, so I spray myself once every 15 minutes. Oh, my God. That's a life tip for you guys. Duly noted. I'll drop you boys in line once we're in SoCal and covered in fucking woolly man with guts. Until then, stay fucking spooky, my dudes. Your boys... Fire Killer and T-1000. And with that, wow. we have come to the end of our missive from our field correspondent. <laughs> John Wayne, Fire Killer, biggest dick guy. Thank you. And uh, stay safe out there. You and T-1000 both. <laughs> I'm sure you will either keep each other safe or wind up killing each other depending on how things go. Oh, they've got each other's backs for sure. Mm -hmm. for, for the record as well, if anyone out there... Enjoy this if you are already a fan of the Fire Killer. If you're just absolutely baffled by what is going on, these are emails we receive. Yes. <laughs> we just got them one day. Uh, about a year ago, they started, and uh, we have them as full reports available on our website at superduperstitious.com slash field reports. It is important to realize that as fun as it is to hear these reports, it is also fun to read them because... Sean Wayne has a very particular form of writing. His journalistic style is unparalleled, and you need to experience it for yourself. Yes, let's put it that way. And with that, I think we can jump right into our topics for today. Yes, indeed. I, I want to just, at the very top, I don't remember who goes first because I never do, <laughs> but thank our listener, Gabby G., Yes. Who suggest, suggested we take a sort of digital trip to her birthland of Romania for mm -hmm. today's episode. So thank you, Gabby. Hope you're enjoying the show. Yeah, awesome suggestion. And that is uh, that is where we're headed today, kind of, Romania. So um, also, before <laughs> I forget, I did look it up. And uh, Plainfield, Illinois is 37.6 miles from Chicago. 37. Awesome. Um, Very nice. Thank you. We're going to be talking about vampires, but not mm -hmm. like you know usual, but but. But kind of like usual, but not totally. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't want to totally give away what, what you're going to be talking about today, um, mm -hmm. since you will be going second, because we're an even-numbered episode. Uh -huh. But um, but we're going to be talking about mythology involving vampires, mm -hmm. excuse me, in different forms, and uh, I'll be going first. Now, we do want to just say, we, we talk about mythology on the show sometimes. Often we try and go with, like, oh, things that involve first-person encounters or um, specific sightings of things that have happened, like, recurrently, and try and discuss 
the um, possible explanations behind those things. Right. When we get into mythology, the point is not to try and disprove people's beliefs about things or just their no. cultural traditions. Um, but it is fun to look at certain types of stories that appear around the world and look for commonalities between things that just people tell and uh, and reasons why those stories might come up. It's just really neat to see different ways we're all the same. Absolutely true. And uh, it turns out a lot of people have a lot of stories about horrible monsters that suck blood and stuff. And uh, that's kind of <laughs> neat. <laughs> so I, th- I thought for a while about going the direction of other Romanian mythology that isn't quite as widely used in pop culture, which is what you'll be sure. doing. Uh, but I decided to go inside the other way with this today, which is instead vampires, but not like we're used to. So another mm. half of kind of what I, I suspect you'll be talking about today. Yes, you have that your very strong suspicion bordering on a confident <laughs> I'm knowledge. Sure that's what you're talking about today. <laughs> I also want to offer our apologies to Emma and Dan for going with such a strikingly similar theme for this week's episode. Totally accidental. Uh, though in our defense, we did cover the Rhode Island Vampire Scare in April of 2018. So that's episode 27. Mmm, tuberculosis. Oh, there you so, go. So you know, we we you know we share we share some of the same stuff. It's a big deal. Uh, anyway, what it means is today I will be finally dipping a toe into the enormous, terrifying ocean that is Philippine mythology, and I will be doing that with the Aswang. Ah, perfect. Yeah, so this first portion will be from AswangProject.com. Uh, Interesting. What do you know about the Aswang? Why? Have you heard of the Aswang? You've probably heard of the I Aswang. I have, yes. I've. It's actually been um, a beastie that I have variously contemplated Variously contemplated covering. Does that make sense? Yes. I think so, yeah. I, I have done the same. I think it's... I, that may have been one of the ones on our original list when we were brainstorming starting this sort show. Sort of perma bookmarked for about two years now. I'm very happy <laughs> that you'll be covering it. I know some of its lore, but I will uh, shut up and sit down. I knew less than I thought I did, turns out. Cool. Um, so I'll get into it. The Aswang is one of the more pervasive folkloric concepts in Philippine culture. Knew that. Of- just kidding. <laughs> go on. <laughs> when I go through, just stop me after each sentence and let me know if you did or didn't know the thing I just said. That would okay. probably be helpful to all of us. Okay. Uh, in terms of popularity, it is the Philippine equivalent of the Western, uh, Western werewolf and vampire. Mm. So it actually kind of hits up both those major cultural mm. touchstones we're also familiar with in cinema and such. A wham pulf. Exactly. Uh, it's difficult to encapsulate in one sentence what Naswang is, but a lot of people across different ethnicities agree on a lot of things about it. One, that its diet consists mainly of human liver and blood. Two, that it has yeah. an unholy preference for unborn children. Mm-hmm. And three, that it's also known to prey upon children and sick people. In a broader sense, the term it's Aswang... basically the GOP. Exactly. Especially the liver part. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a broader sense, the term Aswang can be used to denote the entire menagerie of evil beings in Philippine folklore. I was looking it up, there's actually a lot of different kind of classifications of them that all fit mm. within the umbrella that is Aswang. Mm-hmm. In a stricter sense, however, the Aswang is a human being that can change shape at will without severing any part of its body. Now, that latter part is a weird-sounding um, yeah. piece of specifics, but that's because <laughs> this consequently means that the Mananangal, which is often conflated with the Aswang, is actually uh, not considered the same kind of thing. Yes, and I only know what that is because of what was essentially a sardonic addition to a pander segment that we did episodes ago. That's right. Where I know the Mananangal is essentially a torso or something, or it can separate <laughs> its torso from the rest of its body. Yes, yeah, so we, we did bring it up in passing, like you said. It uh, can detach from the lower half of its body at will, um, sprout bat wings, and fly off in search of victims to suck the viscera from. Real Yum. gross. What does the lower half do in that meantime? It just kind of hangs out. I think it's uh, actually important that it keeps it safe so nothing happens to it so that it can return to it and turn back I to see. its human-looking form during the daytime and, and hide among us. Ooh, creepy. Uh, yes, the Mananangal is often depicted as using its long tube-like tongue uh, to yeah, suck organs or whatever from people. In particular, it's often depicted um, doing uh, sucking kind of like essential stuff from a fetus inside of a pregnant woman while she sleeps. So, I had that associated with the Aswang, actually. Me too. That was my understanding. I, that, I thought that was like its whole deal. Turns out that is specifically the Mananangal, and that is technically not considered it's adjacent to but not the same as the aswang 
Mononongal adjacent. Yes. Uh, but anyway, the tube-like tongue thing actually does bring us back to the Aswang, so we'll get there in a sec. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a shapeshifter, it can take any of the following forms. Humanoid, so mostly mm-hmm. upright, but sometimes crawls on all fours. Mm-hmm. The body can be covered by black, coarse, quill-like hair. Mm-hmm. Skin color can be black to ashen gray. Mm-hmm. Um, conversely, the body can be oily as well due to the application of an unknown kind of grease or coconut oil concoction, usually before stalking their prey. Sure Gotta the stay is, hydrated or whatever. <laughs> Moisturize. Moisturize, I mean. <laughs> um, in this configuration, they normally crawl on the floor or the immediate space outside, or they lay prone on the roofs or, or gables looking for a peephole or lickhole where they can drop their highly prehensile tongue slash proboscis. Proboscis? How do you say it? Proboscis. I've usually said proboscis, and I keep hearing people say proboscis. I was like, well, wait a minute. Proboscis? Yeah, I think they're just being pretentious. Pretent- mm-hmm. Don't you mean pretensis? <laughs> I was trying to find a way to get, get in there, but I couldn't think of it in time. Thank <laughs> you, you had for- to find the uh, lickhole for it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Or whatever they fucking called it. Yeah, a uh, lick hole in their peephole or lick hole. Just some kind of hole in the roof for a while. They can stick their weird tube tongue through. It reportedly looks and um, sounds, has consistency. Sounds glorious. Yes. has, I guess, the consistency of vermicelli and the dexterity Ugh. of a human hand. Cooked or uncooked? The hand, uh, I mean. <laughs> the hand, I, I think. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I'll have to check on that. <laughs> Uh, this tongue can inflict sickness or death on its victims, which are usually sick people, children, or pregnant <laughs> women. <laughs> it, it causes sick people to be sick. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but what's interesting about that particular idea is that n- uh, not unlike Eastern European vampires, the Aswang is associated with disease in a broad mm. sense and may be related to outbreaks throughout history. Mm. So stories mm. of the Aswang may follow. Times are already of, bad. Yes. Super dis- superstitions run high. It's how it goes everywhere people live. Uh, it can take a canine form. So an Aswang can appear as a large, menacing hmm. dog with coarse black hair and flaming red eyes. Uh, they normally stalk the roadsides, but it's been reported uh, that they roam the cities on occasion as well. Its mm-hmm. huge size and wild hair remains one of a jackal out for a kill. <laughs> uh, normal house dogs uh, will typically hide, howl, or flee when they see an Aswang in this form. Mm-hmm. Animal senses are way sharper than ours, it says. Mm. Um, I can take the porcine form. Be pig-shaped. Porcine? Um, porcine. I, I was thinking canine, feline, porcine. Oh, I, would be I guess so, yeah. Suffix, but I'm not sure. Um, that's right. By far the most common Aswan configuration in the Philippines, since most Aswan witnesses report seeing them in this form, essentially just a scaled-up pig with the basic characteristics of the first two forms of Aswan associated with it as well. So... A creepier pig, perhaps with glowing red <laughs> eyes. Uh, their arrival is her- heralded by snorting and gnashing of teeth, Ugh. characteristic of a domestic speed. I don't know what that means. I think it might say mm. breed, possibly. Probably um, breed, yeah. Only their sheer size gives them away. So just them being a weirdly big pig, being real creepy and having a weird tongue. That sounds spooky as fuck. It oh, my does. God. And then, of course, they can take the avian form. Sometimes in this form, they're called a tick-tick. Uh, this mm. is one of the most sinister-looking configurations of the Philippine Aswang. Mm. That's where it starts to lean more in the direction of kind of looking like a Mananangal, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, outwardly, it will look like a large man-sized vulture or raven, but mm-hmm. it may have other weirdly sort of humanoid features to it. It sounds mm. like creepy. may have... Uh, it sounds odd and, and awful. Um, and it will sometimes have the name Tick Tick because of a sound that it makes sometimes while it's kind of I think on this the was the creature that I was describing, in fact. I see. So it may be prowling around on the roof of your house making this ticking sound, or it can also happen, which if you think about the movie Predator or something like that, that's a creepy kind of thing to have just like stalking you in the darkness. Did I do it? <laughs> you did. That's perfect. It caused me great pain. Oh, no. <laughs> Take a breather for a minute, and I'll, uh, I'll explain more about the tick-tick. Um, another explanation I saw for this is sometimes when they're actually changing their shape, they will then have uh, make this ticking sound. This is part of the process of changing shape. Mm, so much like in, Michael Bay movies. The tick-tick franchise? That's what it's called, right? Yes. You got <laughs> Yellow Jacket or whatever his name is. Yellow Jacket. Anyway, um, apart from its great size, a dead giveaway would be its unusual ability to fly low and slow without the wings visibly flapping even when the wind is still. 
Hmm. So they, um, the avian form of the Aswang and or Tic-Tic can just kind of weirdly glide or hover around hmm. in an unnatural way. Mm-hmm. Um, this was the exact observation of a compadre of mine who saw what he thinks was an Aswang fly low over a public schoolhouse in Bulacan several years back. Are you for he real? Was, this Sorry, this is the author saying this. Oh. He was with his schoolmate at the time. I would have made a bigger deal. <laughs> this is someone I knew. And then actually there's one more feline. It's one of the least common Aswang forms. Um, mm-hmm. It can be in a cat form. It can range in size from that of a Siamese cat to that of an ocelot or jaguar. Mm-hmm. Things that pretty sure don't live in the Philippines, but that's okay. Uh, so let's see. For many years, the province of Capiz has earned the unflattering reputation of Aswang country. But the reason <laughs> for this will be the ethno-linguistic spats between inhabitants of Capiz and nearby uh, Iloilo province. For the most part, some Filipinos claim that the real hub of Aswangs is Duenas Town in Iloilo, which is a geographic neighbor of Capiz. Huh. Uh, Duenas is reputed to be the home of one Teniente Gimo, Lieutenant Gimo, maybe it's Gimo, uh, whose clan was the oldest and biggest clan of Aswang in the province and perhaps the Philippines. None of these stories have been fully substantiated, however, it's just different kind of rumors about like, oh, there's a lot of Aswang that live in your town. It's like, no, they live in your town, like that kind of a thing. It's like a cultural slur. Yes. Almost. Yeah. And they also brought the idea of it being a family-related thing, that being an Aswang uh-huh. can run in the family, so that's part of it as well. You're cursed. No, you're cursed. <laughs> yes. Uh, fabrication or not, this story serves to illustrate the enduring belief that Aswang, um, uh, being an Aswang runs in the family or bloodline. It is also said that an Aswang cannot die unless his ability is passed on to the next generation. Whoa. Because the Aswang's power is a black a black chick or stone they puke out just before death. Oh, God. So somehow they keep their like power that into way. into someone else or something? Or? I believe so. And um, oh, the successor is supposed to swallow this chick slash stone to spare his elder from the agony of perpetually hovering between life and death. Wow. A successful turnover of the Aswang quote-unquote amulet ensures a speedy, peaceful death to the older Aswang. So it is kind huh. of a curse being one, it sounds like, and then in order to finally die for real, instead of just being permanently around, being this awful wow. creature, you have to pass it on to the next uh, generation. Jeez. So a really cool take on the idea of this sort of cursed living thing. Yeah, absolutely. That I think is narratively a lot more interesting than what uh western vampires have going for them that's true no that's a really cool take i like that yeah as ghoulish as it is yes uh, most academics and westerners believe that the aswang can be rationally explained in historical and sociological terms hmm. some say that in the process of conquering these islands 400 years ago the spaniards demonized and anathemized those who refused to abandon their old belief systems in favor of christianity Mm-hmm. Uh, these pagans who avoided the um, conquered coastlines and went up to the mountains were easily stereotyped. This became the root cause of the Aswang belief. Mm-hmm. Uh, the funny thing is, the same belief systems seem to be endemic in non-Spanish conquered Southeast Asia, where the Aswang goes by a plethora of different names with huh. eerily similar descriptions. Wow. So can this be a product of colonialism then? I guess that's what we're here to find out. So, so says the author, whose name I think is Purs, uh, for this whole thing I just I just read from. Uh, in most parts of the Visayan Islands, however, they are treated as one of the realities of living in the countryside. Well into the 21st mm. century, people still keep garlic and sharp bronze implements inside their home hmm. to ward off Aswang attacks. That's so consistent. It's uh, crazy. So, some sleep with knives under their pillows, while some keep a stingray tail whip handy just in case. Ooh, holy shit. So kind of cool regional differences based on what yeah. sort of things might be around. Right. Um, but yeah, that, that's... In a nutshell, some basic stuff about the Aswangs. What are your thoughts so far, Wyatt? I'm enjoying it very much. It is more... Uh, I'm realizing now that I think mm, the internet has merged the Aswang and the Menonongal together because a lot of the lore of those two sort of overlaps in my mind, at least from what I have heard or read. Same. I, I Like I said, I, I for the longest time thought they were one and the same. I'm entertained and delighted that the garlic quality extends even into the philippines because yeah. i associated that largely with the west and it, it, it funny enough as you described that just moments ago it had it gave me like a shiver because i was like god why would there be such a consistent like remedy for vampires <laughs> is it real they're, <laughs> they're fake they're fake why do they have such a consistent <laughs> remedy it can't be real um but of course it is real yeah, of course. and um <laughs> 
Wait, is garlic fake? <laughs> garlic garlic <laughs> is actually a myth. Oh, Vampires no. are real. <laughs> um, there's um, been a strong superstition that you can use uh, vampires to keep away garlic, and it just doesn't work. Oh, uh, I because see. It's not real. I actually am wondering now. I didn't look much into the garlic thing because I hadn't. I I thought it was neat that that was a related thing, but I think there's a lot of things that I've also seen, like putting down salt as a way to keep to protect right. a household and stuff. That's true across a lot of cultures. That in and of itself, whatever its root, is just fascinating that we would collectively culturally come to these conclusions that these are sort of like powerful spiritual I think it would be fun to go things. down the root of like for a whole episode yeah go down the root of specific superstitions like that where right. we look at like, things that are just weirdly in common across so many cultures in that kind of way and trying to dig into why that is i didn't dig into the garlic thing so much today i kind of wish i had because it's super interesting mm-hmm. off the top of my head i'm wondering now if i if because aswangs and vampires are often associated with disease and um, yeah true I and wonder. stuff and because garlic has a very powerful antibiotic properties to it right there's a compound inside of garlic called allicin and uh, its aim is true it can kill all kinds of different bacteria quite effectively and um there's a whole cool study i might talk about sometime down the road maybe if we do go down this superstition road about different spices and their association with different latitudes and a cool theory about why foods nearer to the equator have more spices compared to those further from the equator Mm -hmm. part of it being availability but part of it being food spoilage and the number of spices that actually prevent that it's kind of neat so and garlic is a very one of the strongest of the different um spice type things out there that can kill bacteria um and Mm. i believe fungi as well so it's good at killing microbes and could per- perhaps fight certain diseases and and at least prevent certain diseases and mm-hmm. maybe there's some connection there between preventing vampire curses as well i don't know hmm. i would like to yeah, think of that cool. more down the road yeah that'd be very interesting i have a little bit more about swans just like kind of some more of the background of them this is from the culture trip.com mm-hmm. uh, the term aswang originated from the filipino word aswang meaning dog because the beasts usually take the form of dogs uh, or pigs, I guess, but um, all these mm-hmm. mythical creatures make for a terrifying bedtime story. Historian and professor Anthony Lim provides sociological and scientific explanations behind Aswangs. According to Lim, Malay people migrated to the Philippines in the 13th century, bringing with them a set of supernatural beliefs. In mm-hmm. Malaysian folklore, they have the Penanang, uh, Penangal, a beautiful woman, young or old, who attained physical beauty through black magic. Hmm. The Penangal was a female midwife who made a pact with a demon to gain supernatural powers, and in turn must refrain from eating meat for 40 days. However, the pact was broken, and a curse was bestowed upon the Penangal to become a blood-sucking demon. Hmm. Uh, in pre-colonial Philippines, the female leader of a community was called a Babaylan. Roxas Museum curator Brian Argo says these leaders played an important role in healing the sick and communicating with the spirits. So when the Spaniards arrived, they spread propaganda about the animist beliefs of the natives to convert them into Catholics. Mm-hmm. So this reinforces what Perse was talking about before as far as Spaniards trying to just fuck up stuff going on locally and create this sort of uh, you know, negative association with certain people and make them seem like they're monsters somehow. Right, to right. try and just bend people more to their will. Um, the article goes on. For instance, they attached evil in the doings of a Babylon, which explains why females are often associated with Aswangs. Hmm. Uh, as women led a series of political upheavals in Capiz to counter the Spanish government, Argos noted that the Spanish authorities accused them of being Aswangs. So hmm. here we go. We have the, the town of Capiz. Salem so witch is, trial kind of vibes. Yeah. And this may be the reason why the town of Capiz is considered um, the capital kind of area for Aswangs, being mm-hmm. Aswang country. So, wow. again, it goes back to that particular notion we heard about before. Uh, as to why Filipinos still believe in shape-shifting creatures, strong oral tradition remains a primary factor. These days, Aswangs are still used to scare children. They're still being attached to lewd, unexplained acts in some rural communities. Mm-hmm. So, long story short, their traditions serve a purpose. They exist for a reason. And they last for that same reason. So, yeah. There you go. Yeah, some very stuff cool. about the Aswang. Um I can leave you, if you're interested, with a, a short first-person encounter tale, if you want. If you like, yeah, by all means. Yeah, this is by Redditor Obligatory Psy. <laughs> this mm. is from uh, three years ago in the Paranormal subreddit. He says, quote, It happened three years ago. I was 14 years old. 
both my parents were separated and I was spending a week with my mother who lived in an apartment complex, a two-story apartment complex where there were apartments on the bottom and stairs on the side to go to the second story. When I was spending my first night there, I overheard my mother and grandmother talking about our next-door neighbor being pregnant and how they can hear heavy footsteps on the roof at night, followed by ticking sounds. So I asked mm. them what the footsteps could be. My mother turned to me with a com- and with a completely serious look on her face, told me it was, it was an aswang. Now, being a teenager, I was really skeptical about these type of things and told her that it could just be a cat or something. <laughs> she told me I didn't have to believe, but I should still be careful and not go out at night. So that night, I was already laying on the guest bed, I fucking heard it. Bam, bam, bam. Heavy goddamn footsteps sounding like a tiger was walking on the roof and <laughs> audible ticking. Just tick, tick, tick. At this point, I tried mm. hard to rationalize this and walk to the front door. Maybe someone is trying to rob us? Mm-hmm. So I opened the door, got to the railing, and looked up at the roof. That was when I threw rational thinking out the window because there it was. A bald, gray humanoid figure with thin arms and legs, sharp claws, and a long, thin tongue. Ooh. So after seeing that thing, I ran back inside, locked a goddamn door, and went to wake up my mother. You can tell the person is still a young teenager because of their liberal use of curse words. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she was pissed at me and told me that what I did was dangerous, even if it wasn't an aswang. It could have been a robber, and I just opened the door. Mm-hmm. So at this point, I just lay on the bed trying to ignore the noise coming from the roof as my mother sprinkled salt on the doors, uh, on the door and windows, and that's when I fell asleep. That morning, I woke up late, and my cousins were there in the living room. They were laughing at me because I was stupid enough to open the door and look at the thing. Turns out it wasn't the first time they encountered an Aswang, but it was mine. Wow. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Fun story. Fun story. Not man, necessarily man. the most true story, but could no, be they saw no. something. <laughs> I don't know uh, yeah. That. Emphasis on story. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah. But hey, you know, if it actually happened, I'm glad they went to Reddit to talk about it. Yes. <laughs> um very cool yeah, yeah. That, i've gone from knowing almost nothing about the oswong to feeling like i now have a very deep appreciation for its use both as a sort of cultural boogeyman touchstone as well as a kind of weapon of propagandistic oppression yeah um so go figure <laughs> isn't that interesting yeah that's crazy yeah uh, very cool good deal do you want to go ahead and jump into your segment? Sure. There? Yeah. Your allow shell. me to uh, allow me to jump right in. So, this is the topic that Gabby kind of explicitly suggested we might talk about, um, and I will kick off as I often do with. There were a lot of threats if we didn't cover it, so I I, I think we probably should. True. Uh, this is by Daniel McLaughlin in the Guardian from 2005. The fate of. Petri Toma's corpse seemed to belie his reputation as an ordinary laborer in the fields that encircled the remote village of Maritino de Sioux in southwest Romania. They took out his heart, burnt it, and drank the ashes in a glass of water, says Elisabetta Marinescu. God, that's very, very involved. Who was a neighbor of Toma's? After a life of sporadic illness, immoderate drinking, and a final decisive accident in the fields, Toma died in December 2003. But, so many here say, his spirit would not lie quiet. Mm-hmm. His own sister complained that her daughter-in-law had fallen ill and that Petri was to blame. She said he had become a strigoi and something must be done, recalls Marinescu. What six local men did was enact an ancient Romanian ritual for dealing with a strigoi, a restless spirit that returns to suck the lifeblood from his relatives. Mm-hmm. Just before midnight, they crept into the cemetery on the edge of the village and gathered around Toma's grave. Then they dug him up, split his rib cage with a pitchfork, <sighs> removed his heart, put stakes through the rest of his body, and sprinkled it with garlic. Good God. Then they burnt the heart, put the embers in water, and shared the concoction with the sick woman. More than a year later, the effect of the macabre ritual still reverberates through the village. Again, this actually fucking happened. Jesus Christ. Quote, Well, the sick woman got better again, so they must have done something, right? Says Anasuara uh, Constantine. But which part of it was the part that was right? (laughs) They did a lot of things. (laughs) Local police appeared to be less understanding. After Toma's daughter complained, they arrested the men and charged them with illegally exhuming his corpse. They were sentenced to six months in jail, but did not serve it. 
quote, no one is bothered by who did it. It's their own business, declared 80-year-old Tudor Stoika, shading his face with a fraying hat. This ritual often takes place, but in secret, within the family. The problem comes when the police get involved. He said the Strigoi had haunted Romanian nightmares for centuries. A fiendish thing, ungodly, that wants to do evil. It brings illness, makes inexplicable noises, and is invisible. So there you have it, the Strigoi... Jake, do you know what a Strigoi is outside of what I've just described? I had never heard of it before. Uh, Gabby G suggested it to you and me. I had done cursory searches for that term in the past as well. Kind of similar boat to the Aswang for myself. I then found out that that was the term they used in the um, Guillermo del Toro TV show, The Strain. Oh. That's the phrase they use to refer to the monsters in that, the vampire monsters in that show. That's cool. Um, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but anyway, this next segment is from HowStuffWorks.com. Oh, wow. <laughs> which is kind of a hilarious place to find a breakdown on what a Strigoi is. <laughs> you better stuff it was from WikiHow. Yeah, First, I was exact, split exactly. split open your relative's corpse with a pitchfork. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so the vampires in Moldavia, Wallachia, and Transylvania, which is now Romania, were commonly called Strigoi. Strigoi were said to be almost exclusively human spirits who had returned from the dead. Mm. Unlike other undead monsters of the era, Strigoi would pass through different stages after rising from the grave. Mm. Initially, Strigoi could be more like your typical poltergeist tormenting still-living family members by moving furniture and stealing food. But after some time, it would become corporeal. So even looking just as the person did in life. Um, The Strigoi would return to its family members, now stealing cattle, begging for food, and bringing disease. And it's after these kind of hardcore pranks. A a series of things happening where there's... First they have furniture moving around and stuff, and then... It turns into just like the actual corporeal form of their departed loved one. Right. He's like, guys, you got anything I can eat? I'm like, no. Get, yeah. Get away from here. Like, can I take Guys, look at all these cows. I took all these cows. Like, dude, no. <laughs> dude, just get out of here. <laughs> I know exactly. Yeah, it goes from kind of hardcore pranks to actually feeding on people. <laughs> it and, uh, such a weird trajectory. It really does. It's sort of like benign annoyance straight through eating family members yep. and then anyone else that they can happen to come across because they start with the family first mm-hmm. um and in some accounts the strigoi would suck their victim's blood directly from the heart which is of course the source of all blood it's better than actually sucking it from the actual source of all blood because that's somehow worse <laughs> yeah it would be kind of grosser to get down in the marrow yeah yum no marrow vampires, luckily. You got no. blood vampires, you got energy vampires, you got all right. weird varieties, but no marrow. Vam- vampires that want to suck the blood of your unborn baby? Mm, Come on. Yep. Come on, guys. Initially, a strigoi would need to return to its grave regularly or die, basically. So it has to scurry away and get back into wherever it had been interred. It's like, oh man, I already died once. That sucked. I don't want to do that again. Yeah, I don't want to die again. Uh, for these reasons, if townspeople suspected that someone had become a strigoi, they would exhume the body and burn it, or run spikes through it to prevent uh, sort of, you know, all these shenanigans and murder. Uh, in those unfortunate cases where the strigoi did get to do as it pleased unchecked, um, after seven years pass, the coffin rules break down, apparently, um, and the strigoi is free to live wherever it pleases. So. Oh. If it can kind of survive that first seven-year window unchecked, um, it can now move freely about the world. Interesting rule. Yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> Time has a lot of bearing on the Strigoi's uh, reality. Uh, it was said that the Strigoi would travel to distant towns to begin new lives as ordinary people and that these secret vampires would meet with each other in weekly gatherings. Dude, vampire in a much? Yeah. Man, yeah, such a vampire. Through those first seven years, that shit was so rough. <laughs> what do you do with the cows after you steal them? I didn't know. I just fucking set them free. 
Um, and also, I'm not clear from this statement whether that means that Strigoi actually eventually successfully re-enters society. <laughs> yeah, they're rehabilitated entirely. <laughs> they up get a job. <laughs> they're just like, oh yeah. I, uh, <laughs> Live whole lives, die again, but come back as tertiary Strigoi. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so one can hope. Um, in addition to undead Strigoi, which is what I've been describing, which are also referred to as Strigoi Mort, people also feared living vampires or Strigoi Vu. Strigoi Vu were cursed living people who were doomed to become Strigoi Mort when they died. So essentially, you're not a monster yet, but you're you're a death away from becoming one. Mm -hmm. Uh, Babies born with abnormalities, such as a tail-like protrusion or a bit of fetal membrane tissue attached to the head, also called a call, mm-hmm. were usually considered doomed. Oh, no. You know, it doesn't mean that you got to kill that baby, but it does mean you got to keep an eye on it. In other parts of Eastern Europe, Strigoi-type creatures were known as vampire, but can be spelled V-A-M-P-I-R or V-A-M-P-Y-R, uh, most likely a variation on the Russian Upir or mm. Upir, uh, U-P-I-R. Uh, Western European countries eventually picked up on this name and vampire or vampire entered the English language. So Strigoi's are very old school proto Western vampires. And as patent legends, we can hope I figured we could dip into some real flora and fauna that echo the Strigoi's suggested Mm. characteristics for today. So the first that I have is Striga more commonly referred to as witch weed, which is a genus of parasitic plant. That occurs naturally in Africa, Asia, and Australia. So this is a blooming plant that actually produces very attractive, brightly colored flowers. The spooky part in their biology is that they legitimately require a host plant to complete their life cycle. Wow. Um, So each striga plant produces between 90,000 and half a million seeds, which is incredible. And these seeds can remain viable in the soil for over 10 years so they can just chill out and wait for the perfect conditions not seven years yeah right (laughs) (laughs) these seeds detect host roots as a plant grows the roots kind of put off chemical into the earth or near them and these seeds will pick up on that and their germination is triggered and the first step that they go through is to grow a hostorium which i'm hopefully pronouncing correctly which is basically a very spooky root so hostoria are grown only by parasitic plants and fungi and are designed to penetrate into host tissues so in this case the roots wow so once plugged in the witchweed can continue to grow and complete its life cycle as almost any other flowering plant might uh they are considered for this reason hemiparasitic Uh, which is to say they absolutely rely on their host plant for water and nutrients, but are also able to photosynthesize and address other parts of their essential biology on their own. Interesting. not the same as full-blown capital P parasites. And the other one I have is the torpedo snail, a.k.a. the Cooper's nutmeg, a.k.a. (laughs) Cancellaria cooperii, which is a marine species of parasitic snail. Oh, uh, they are amazingly capable of creeping up on and drinking the blood of various benthic fishes. Wow. Cannot believe it. Pretty um, remarkable. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, even more amazingly, they have a preferred prey item, which is the Pacific Electric Ray. Wow. And if you thought Electric Ray already sounded like a 90s TV character, <laughs> their scientific name is Torpedo Californica. <laughs> And that sounds like an unreleased Red Hot Chili Peppers album. And I'll just say, whether you think that it was left unreleased for the right reasons or the wrong reasons, tells you everything you need to know about yourself right there. And with that, I will call it a day. All right. That is very good. Awesome. Well, thank you for uh, for digging into some of the cool stuff about the Strigoi and, um, mm-hmm. and those cool biological examples of... Strigoi adjacent real creatures. Exactly. <laughs> that's cool stuff i think we all learned a couple of things here today indeed so help us if you didn't learn anything today what are you doing yeah get the hell over here and listen to more shows yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> but yeah, thank you for listening to this one. Very cool yes, of you to do so. And thank you, Gabby, again for the suggestion that led to this entire thank you episode. Very much. If you have Super your own cool. suggestions for episode topics you'd like us to cover or your own stories you'd like to share, send us an email, contact at superduperstitions.com or do like Gabby did, send us a message on Facebook. We have a Facebook page, it's just superduperstitious. Uh, you can message us on Instagram as well. You can send us a tweet if you want. We never use Twitter, but if you did, we'd notice. So whatever you want to do, we will listen. Exactly. And in the meantime, as ever, if you're enjoying the show and uh, you've been a longtime listener or you're a first-time guest, we would be very happy for your support over at patreon.com slash superduperstitious. We uh, have many perks for uh, listeners at every tier. And um, yeah, your your support goes a long way to uh, support the show. So yeah, check it out. You can get featured on the show in a special segment we do. You can um, get stickers and curated outtakes and mini episodes and uh, all just great stuff. You, you'll, you'll like it's it. It's good things. And as ever, if you have not yet left one, we would love your opinion over at iTunes or I guess Apple Podcast. Yeah, leave us a rating, a review. It helps with the visibility of the show, helps more people find us and listen along as well. And it just warms our little hearts. Indeed. Uh, so yeah, check us out. Thanks for listening. And we will uh, we'll be back next week. We will. Till then. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.